Welcome back to episode four of the Sources Say podcast, a brand new addition to the Growing KSR podcast network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and I am happy to be joined once again by two of the best up-and-coming recruiting insiders in the game, Jake Weingarten of StockRisers.com and Travis Graff of Cats Illustrated. How are you guys doing today? Got a jam-packed episode, ready to dive in. I'm I'm feeling great. It's my this, favorite this, favorite week. This, this, so there's Christmas, and then there is the opening of the fall recruiting period, and they are neck and neck for you. I can oh, tell yeah. you, just just look, following your Twitter Twitter account is just craziness right now. Just just absolute madness. It's my favorite time of the so year. So we will jump into all sorts of recruiting news uh, as we as we mentioned the fall recruiting period is live and we have two major major decisions coming up this week by the next time we talk there's a very solid chance Kentucky will have two brand new commitments um, you know the the first three weeks you know it's been a blast to, to for, for this podcast we appreciate our listeners joining us uh, again we are on our you know, very own podcast feed. Just search for the Sources Say podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the other major podcast apps. Uh, then click that subscribe button. Give us a five star review, please, and thank you. We would definitely appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, we will use this podcast as a um, kind of a, a decision primer of sorts for the upcoming commitments of 2024 star forward and consensus top 20 uh, consensus consensus top 45 prospect Lance Ware uh, he's set to commit on Thursday afternoon at roughly 4 p.m. and then 2021 top three prospect Terrence Clark will make his decision on Saturday afternoon at roughly 1 p.m. Um, and then after breaking down those decisions we will uh, discuss the we will just jump into the absolute madness that is the start of the fall recruiting period and the countless prospects that John Calipari and his coaching staff has have visited thus far. Um, things got going bright and early uh, on Monday morning, and they're going to be pretty, pretty hectic all the way through uh, November 10th, honestly, um, So when that's when the recruiting period ends. So we will jump into the Lance Ware decision right off the bat because we really haven't gotten the chance to talk about him on the podcast much at all. Um, like we've done with the last couple pros top prospects in, in our last uh, three podcasts, we're going to uh, kind of break down his game a little bit before we get into the ins and outs of his recruitment and the decision uh, coming up tomorrow. Um, first off, he is a six foot nine, two hundred fifteen pound power forward out of Camden, New Jersey, listed as a consensus top forty five four star prospect, ranked as high as thirty one overall on Rivals and as low as number forty two on ESPN. Twenty four seven Sports gives him a composite rating of thirty two in the nation. Um, you know, he's he's kind of a kid that that jumped onto the national recruiting scene this summer. Um, during the Nike EYBL events, I mean, he's he's always been a four-star, top 100 kid, but this is kind of the first time over the last several months that that he kind of became a high major elite prospect that that everybody wants their hands on. Everybody wants to get wants uh, to get the chance to talk to him. He played for the New York Renaissance with uh, for EYBL with 2021 top or number one prospect Jonathan Kaminga. So he had a, a ton of eyes on him pretty much at all times, um, both at EYBL and then at Peach Jam. 
He averaged 10.2 points, 5.8 rebounds, and one block per game during the regular season. And then uh, he actually upped that to 14.4 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 2.4 blocks during Peach Jam. Uh, Kentucky offer came not long after that, and then uh, you know they joined the likes of Michigan, Ohio State, a whole bunch of different uh, big schools. Um, so we'll we'll just kind of start with uh, Travis. What is what do you like about this kid's game, and why would he be such a massive commitment for whoever he goes? We'll we'll start with as if his recruitment is open. Well, I think that his, he's far from reaching the ceiling. If you look at his rating history, ranking history, he's been the high 40s to 50s the entire time and then steadily grown over the past year went from 40 to 35 now he's 32 on 24 7 and what i like about him is he's a finesse player 100 percent right now needs to add weight mm -hmm. but we were talking about this before the show i think a great comparison for him is ej montgomery without the motor oh, issues that's, yeah oh that's 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 a pretty pretty but good comparison if, but like we were talking about if EJ fixed his motor issues. He'd be a one hell of a player. Uh -huh. So I mean, that's nothing to shake a stick at. So yeah. What about what do you think about him, Jake? High motor prospect. I mean, I've seen him play before. He's not that far from me, forty-five minutes away. But I mean, every time I see him play, he's just in, intense. I mean, energetic on the floor. I mean, I what I saw him do first play ever when I watched him was maybe two years ago, maybe a year and a half. He dunked over somebody and ah in their face. So <laughs> I got like this is gonna sound really really weird, not not cool, but whatever. But I like seeing stuff like that. I mean, it's not all about all about the highlights. I said this last week, but stuff like that is, you know, it shows a, that a kid's passionate about the game. But like you guys said, he's six nine and two fifteen. You said, mm -hmm. and he can run the floor like a guard almost, and yep. he's quick on his feet. And there's bigs nowadays, especially in high school, that are at that size and aren't really quick on their feet, and that's kind of where they have to improve in college. But he's already got that trait, and that's an advantage going into college. And I think that his game will translate really well at the college level. He's not a pure stretch forward by any means, but he can definitely step outside, hit that mid-range jumper. He's still got to expand out to the three-point line. He's not consistent from there, but he can hit mid-range jumpers at a high clip. So In the paint, though. Oh yeah, scary. Oh, yeah. He's crafty. And, scary uh, sight. Yeah, and we and we kind of talked last week how Devin Askew is one of those guys that you're watching Jalen Green. He stole your attention. Uh, um, and then Kennedy Chandler was another one of those guys. Mm -hmm. When you're watching in Folly Dante, he was one of those guys with with Mocan Elite that that stole your attention. And this is another one of those situations. Lance Ware playing with Jonathan Kaminga, who is the far and away. You know, we've debated this a little bit in the past, but. As of right now, he is the consensus number one player in the country, and it seemed like more often than not during Peach Jam specifically that Lance Ware was the guy that kept stealing your attention. Uh, he's a, a very, very fluid lefty, uh, very athletic, um, building up strength. Like you, like Travis said, he does need to build up muscle a little bit, um, more, more finesse than pure brute muscled um, for sure. Um, considered one of the, the – best high effort guys in the nation just a tireless rebounder tireless rim protector very smooth fadeaway jumper that's that's something that always catches my attention with him uh watching his film and, and in person um shot he has a, a pretty smooth jump shot that extends to about 12 to 15 feet or so can, he can put the, the ball on the floor um you know he's not going to be a guy that ever leads leads a team in scoring in college he's not a, he's not going to be a 25 point per game you know 
25 and 12 type guy like you know some of the some of the other high high end targets that Kentucky has but he is going to be a guy that he has all the intangibles to be a high impact player and pretty much whatever role is asked of him if if you know if coach Caller whatever school gets him we'll get into his recruitment in a second uh whatever school gets him you know if they say you know th- Go in and, and, you know, just carve out your role off the bench. He will do that. If they need him to, to start at the four and be kind of a grit and grind type guy, he can do that. Um, he is a, a – a, most analysts that, that watched him and, you know, every time I saw him, I felt that he was one of the most underrated players in the country. And uh, I think I, I think his his stock rising the way it is – stock rising, <laughs> that, that, that's good um, – it, it's kind of showing that, that he's at least starting to get the respect that he deserves. Um, and uh, it's very very intriguing prospect to, to to come off the board this early in September. Let me just put it that way. Hold on, time out. Did you plan for that? Because I just now caught that. No, no, that was that I was, was like you're kidding me. No, kidding. that was that was just uh, <laughs> that was not even planned. That <laughs> is a a harmless plug right there for Jake Weingarten's uh, national uh, scouting website. So uh, we'll we'll move on a little bit to we'll, we'll move past that <laughs> real, real quickly <laughs> and get into his recruitment. Um, I kind of touched on it a little bit before, but. Lance Ware's recruitment has been pretty much cut and dry since yep. the minute he received a Kentucky offer. There, I mean, there have been genuine, legitimate rumblings in the Northeast that he's been dreaming of a Kentucky offer for three years now, four years now. I mean, this has been since since he realized that he's he's going to be a high major prospect. He has wanted this Kentucky offer, and there have been a lot of rumblings that that from the second he, he received one that he was Kentucky all the way and that he was going to eventually commit to Kentucky sooner rather than later. Um, when he did receive that offer, his recruitment definitely um, – it took it took a big jump in, turn, in terms of he cut his list of five almost immediately, included Kentucky. He scheduled four official visits immediately, didn't include Kentucky, but it was almost that sense of – I know I'm going to Kentucky. I want to explore my other options and take visits to all these other schools just in case. Um, he f- took two. He took one to Ohio State and then another to Michigan, Michigan. both officials. Uh, and as Jake said before, uh, I think he said this last week, both of them went, went very well. Um, you know, they, they good for them. They did it. They did a great job with, with their recruitment and, and as, as much as you can do given his circumstances. Um, he also had schedules, uh, scheduled visits to Providence and Miami at the end of September. And those are not happening. Uh, so, so on Monday news leaked out. Did, were you the one that leaked this one out or, or well, his decision? N- no, the, uh, that Calipari was coming in on it. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so, Jake tweets out that Calipari and Kenny Payne are heading to New Jersey to talk to him in person. And the second that news broke, there were some rumblings that this was going to be a make let, this make this, let me tell them. make this decision happen as soon as possible or we might need to then, evaluate our options and figure out and there was a little bit of a um you know commit or what or or you'll see or or um kind of a if you don't commit now we'll pull your offer type buzz but that I don't, I don't think, think it was that deep I don't think it was that deep I think it was just a conversation of man 
Lock down a we're, spot. We're going to need three or four big men in the class of 2020, and we just genuinely need to know how we're going to – you know the foundation of this class. They already had B.J. Boston. They already had Cam Fletcher. They uh, are. We'll, we'll get into Terrence Clark's decision in here in a minute, but they f- have felt pretty confident about him for about three weeks now. They felt very good about about Lance Ware the second they offered offered him a scholarship. They they kind of figured they they had that one in, in the bag a little bit, but. There was this sense of, okay, we need to decide what we're doing with Cliff Omarui. We need to decide what we're doing with Dawson Garcia, those, uh, you know, um, Isaiah Jackson, not high-end, you know, top ten, five-star kids, but the the middle-of-the-road, high low five, high four-star kids. They needed to decide who they were going all in after and the, the, the kind of the logistics of how they were going to make it happen. And I think Lance Ware was their top priority in terms of those high four, low five-star kids. And they went to him first, and they said, dude, don't know what to tell you, but we need you to commit sooner rather than later because if not, we're going to start visiting these other high, the, these other four, uh, you know, four-star kids and, and kind of decide who's going to be our, who's going to be the foundation of this. And we really want you to be this guy, but if you if you want to, you know, wait this process out and and you know be patient with it, then don't get your feelings hurt whenever we go visit all these other big names. Dude, what about big, big Cal? That's the third one that he's really pushed for commitment this year. Oh, he's yeah. turning a leaf. Yeah, and. Calipari has gotten a lot of criticism over the last two, three years for not raking in the top guys and all that. And and he's had this chip on his shoulder with this recruit with with this recruiting class in particular, where it's just been like, you know what? I'm sick and tired of the narratives that have been around for you know th- dating back back to just just this past year of oh we're we're you know Penny Hardaway's coming around. We're missing out on on all those guys now. Duke, we can't compete against Duke and all that. I think he has this mentality right now of, all right, screw it. We're going to go ahead and, and have the number one recruiting re- recruiting class locked up in September. How about that? Well, you before, saw before, what... before we're even practicing and 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 playing our 2020 uh, or 2019-2020 season, we already have next season just about finished up. And I think that's kind of the mentality he has, and that's why he was pushing so hard for this Lance Ware decision because – he wants to know the the full foundation of what he needs uh, f- moving forward and just add a piece or two beyond that, not you know, go into the spring needing five or six commitments. He wanted to have that, that firm foundation of everything and then just kind of pick and choose where he wants to move from there. Yeah, you could tell Cal's definitely going in for the kill because I think it was – I can't remember for sure, but I think it was Isaiah Jackson's dad said that – UK was all about UK, not about any other school. So mm-hmm. Cal still hasn't changed up his approach in that aspect. He's not negatively recruiting, but he is going for the kill. He is in the commit now, or you might lose your spot. Like we re- we really want you don't go home and think about it anymore type deal. So yeah, they they kind of they expanded their um, entire recruiting base to not 30, 40 kids, but to about fifteen. 20 at most kids and got in really good position with all of them instead of kind of starting big and kind of branching out. Okay. We missed, we're missing on top four, top five kids. Okay. Let's go to top 10. Let's go top 15. Let's go top Mm -hmm. 20. They're not branching down. They kind of started out wide and still touched on those top five kids. They're in great position with five or six top 10 recruits right now, but they at least had that wide base where they said, okay, we know we're going to be losing 
three, you know, EJ Montgomery's gone, gone. Nick Richards is almost certainly gone, and uh, Nate Sestina is graduating. So there is no front court at Kentucky next year. We need front court pieces. Lance Ware, we want you to be the very first guy to, to you know, start this front court off. Let's make it happen. Speaking of the front court, uh, Cliff Amarui just scheduled two official visits, and neither one is to Kentucky. But at the same time, I'm told they're still kind of involved and in contact. So, I mean, that's and that's kind of that's kind of my thing. I for the longest time, Cliff, if let me put it this way, if Kentucky went all in on Cliff Omarui, I think he would end up as a as a Wildcat. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's pretty pretty certain that he would end up at, at Kentucky. Um, I think he is a huge fan of the program. He told me in the past that that he cried whenever he received his Kentucky offer because that that was like the – you know, he, he has offers from Pittsburgh, Connecticut, Auburn, those, uh, Auburn those, those kind of um, – those kind of schools. But he said that when, when – oh, where is he from originally? Uh, Nigeria, I believe. Um, at home, w- before he – came over to the States, Kentucky was one of the first schools that, that kind of, that he followed and at least knew of back home. He, he got to see them a little bit, follow them a little bit on, on TV and, and, and all of that. And when the second he got that offer, he was like, man, okay, I've made it as a, as an elite prospect. That was his, one of his dream offers growing up. And, and like I said, if Kentucky went all in on him, I think he would have almost. I think he would have almost certainly done it. But I think that they're higher on Lance Ware right now. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that now that Isaiah Jackson's a very, very strong possibility, they don't want to secure commitment a, a commitment from a fringe top fifty, top forty recruit. You know, I I, I like Cliff. I really game. like Cliff's game. I like Cliff's game. He's a hard worker. He's a high motor guy. But he is the most raw offensive talent in the country right now. He's Clint Capella. Very, High school. Yeah, and I think he's going to be a multiple-year player in college. And because you don't know how Lance Ware is going to be, you don't know um, – you know, Isaiah Jackson, they're in good position there. You want – you need pieces, but at the same time, you don't want to secure the wrong pieces too early. And then down the road when – if, say, McCurr Maker says, yep, I'm going to college, say, oh, sorry, we already took four commitments from big men. Tough luck. We don't have room for you. You want to have a, you want to have a couple pieces tied up, but you want to make sure they're the right pieces. Yeah. And they are fairly confident that Lance. I mean, it, it's evident they they feel that Lance Ware is that piece. Um, like I said, there really is not much suspense going into this commitment tomorrow. Um, I have heard that a commitment actually might have happened on Monday during the visit. Um, not a. At least, at least, I think that the Kentucky coaching staff was was aware of his intentions and that okay, you want me to commit, you want me to get this wrapped up, I I'm your guy. Don't move on from me. Let's 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 make this happen. You know what? I'm cool with it. Let's get this thing over mm-hmm. with. And and maybe it, it wasn't an official commitment, but at least they the the intentions were there where they knew that that this kid's going to Kentucky. Um, like I said, he's going to be committing Thursday, t- so that's tomorrow at 4 p.m. Um, would be a, a massive get to get things going. Like we said, they need bigs. Um, they like it, like his game a lot, uh, and it'd be pretty awesome to, to get uh, the front court going with a with a top 30 prospect right away. 
um, especially in September. I mean, that's that's just that's just nuts to have three guys like that locked up. And then on Saturday, they're going to have potentially four guys in the class of 2020 locked up, or at least uh, eventually should be. Uh, uh, eventually, he will be. He it's looking like he will be uh, 2020. Um, but Terrence Clark, that is the talk of the hour. That is the um, you know the top three prospect in the class of 2021. Uh, he is deciding on Saturday um, between Kentucky, Duke, Memphis, Boston College, UCLA, and Texas Tech. Um, when he announced two weeks ago that this decision was coming, the Kentucky buzz has already, had already been pretty significant for, I think, four or five days at that point. So we're talking just about three weeks worth of strong, strong Kentucky buzz. Um, and then it's only it's it, it's only uh, gone grown louder since then. On Monday, um, when the recruiting period opened up, Brewster Academy head coach Jason Smith actually told me that uh, John Calipari was in to see Clark, uh, as was Boston College head coach Jim Christian. I mean, he he's from Boston. He's from he's from that area. So you know, to have Jim Christian come in and just kind of put out a feeler. That's that's not a big deal to me. I mean, that's just, that's just a uh, hey, I'm in the area. Let me just see where your where your where your head is at going into this decision. Um, and maybe he told him, sorry, thanks, but no thanks. But I'm I'm Kentucky bound. What whatever. But the fact that Kentucky made made such a priority to to go see Terrence Clark on the very first day, pretty significant. Um, as far as I know, those were the only two schools in to mm-hmm. see him on Monday. Uh, which is that's Correct. just as significant considering there are six schools on his list and the other four felt that this wasn't going to happen until yesterday word leaked out that Penny Hardaway was scheduled to bring his entire staff with him to Boston to go see Clark and kind of give this last ditch, um, you know, last ditch pitch to, to potentially bring him in at the last minute. But this afternoon that visit got canceled. Penny Hardaway decided that he was not going to see Terrence Clark, and instead, where is he going, Jake? Uh, I'm told that he'll join Mike Miller to go see Jalen Green uh, at Prolific Prep. So, basically, that got canceled. I don't know if it was Terrence that can't – well, probably both sides that canceled because, obviously, the he's a Kentucky lean. I won't say anything beyond that, but, yeah, now – Memphis's staff. I'm not sure if it's the full staff. All I'm told is that it's Mike and Penny going to see Jalen Green. And that is, I mean, it's it's massive news enough that Kentucky has has kind of been seen as the consensus leader at this point. Um, I mean, this is a top three kid in the country. You know, this is massive, massive news. Um, but there was that little sense of, okay, Penny, Penny coming in. And I do think that Kentucky has felt pretty strongly that they were landing him. I, we talked last week that there was even some buzz that it's been a done deal for two, you know, well over two weeks and that a commitment may or may not have happened, uh, you know, behind the scenes where he just kind of let his intention be, you know, kind of like Lance Ware, where that he let his intentions be known that he was going to end up in Lexington. Um, and But when this Penny news did come around, it was a little, you know, I'm not going to accuse anybody of, of 
any any business any funny business or anything. I'm not into the oh this school's paying this guy or whatever. But it the the Kentucky buzz had grown loud enough to the point where it would have taken some really shady business for him to go anywhere other than Kentucky. And Memphis coming into the last second, it it didn't get, have that feel, but at least it, it at least made you made you go hmm. Okay, it added that's, suspense. That's a little little odd that Terrence hasn't said, "Nah, man, I'm good." You know, I you know you know more than anybody that this decision's done. Focus your efforts on somewhere else. And then the fact that this afternoon that news did break that Penny said, "Yeah, screw it. This is this is a lost cause and all that." I think it just solidifies the fact that. This is pretty much a done deal to Kentucky, um, and I, I I don't want Kentucky fans to take this decision lightly because there is almost no suspense to it whatsoever. There is no tension. Like I said, there there is no uh, you know hat on the table. You know, massive. Nobody knows what he's doing. Like this is a consensus top three prospect in the nation. Kentucky hasn't had a top five recruit since Scal. Since Scal and you saw, in 2015. Yeah, I don't even count that one. It's been four years since Kentucky's gotten a top five kid. And this is not just any top five kid. This is not a high potential type kid. This is this is one of the top scoring guards in all of America, regardless of, of class. In fact, Evan Daniels already said that if and when he reclassifies to 2020, he's going to be a top four kid, might even be number three in front of Jalen Green. Uh, right behind Cade Cunningham. I'll go as far to say as I'll go as far to say that I think he's a high school junior right now, mm-hmm. and I think he would start the three spot on UK's team this year. Really? Like, I think he would start over Johnny. I think he would start over maybe Khalil. I don't know what they're wanting to do with Khalil three or four, but I think he'd be in contention. I think he's best all around wing player that would have been on Kentucky's roster this upcoming year. Yeah, and he's not a finished product. He is not going to, you know, he's not super polished. He's not, but for his age and for his class, the way he is able to take over a game and dominate at all three levels, he can hit a clutch, you know, he can hit clutch shots from, from deep if they need him to. He can finish strong at the rim, dunk on somebody, finish strong. He is such a, a polished scorer at the rim even if he's not dunking on somebody or what like he he just has that those 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 gifted instincts around the rim that separates himself from pretty much everybody else in the country he has a strong mid-range game uh very needs to work on his ball handling a little bit but those skills are there he's you know at six foot seven long great skills for his size long exactly long wingspan he projects as a two-way player, a strong two-way player, where he can make plays on both ends. You know, he he averaged, uh, looking at his stats, averaged 17 points per game, six rebounds, 4.3 assists uh, during the EYBL regular season. But he also had 1.1 steals per game. Um, you know, he he is he does project as a strong two-way player. Um, just, I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal player. We talked last week that we would all take. Clark over Jalen Green, and I still feel I that way. By that one I stand by that. I still nope. feel still feel pretty strongly about that. Um, one thing that did happen this past week that was pretty interesting is Jerry Meyer of Twenty Four Seven Sports, who has been a basketball scout for like a hundred years. The dude's been around forever, knows his stuff more than anybody when it comes to going to these events, evaluating, and and kind of just diving into these these players and their film and who they are as players. He says that he that 
Terrence Clark is the fifth best shooting guard he has ever scouted. Ever. Did, did he have one through four? He had the the list I saw it was on a podcast I didn't hear the podcast all the way through but a bunch of people wrote articles about it and and I, I saw the quote um, but he he didn't dive into he said he basically said he needs to work on his strength he is a you know very skilled player for his size but at at six seven to 175 180 pounds he does need to build up muscle uh, if he is going to finish strong at the rim the way he's capable of right now if if he wants to do that at the college level against elite sec bigs um but yeah he said that he is a massive massive fan he said he loves his court vision loves it not and i i saw this too great i mean just he's such a great feel for the game as a junior and he's i mean the the rumblings are out there that it's it's he feels pretty confident that he can get this reclassification to happen. We've talked in the past that there was a little bit of pessimism on on from his school standpoint that they didn't know if it would happen. But uh, we've kind of heard since then that the process isn't as daunting as as kind of a lot of people make it out to be. The you know two year two years of high school and one year sounds like a like a you know you're climbing mount everest i mean it sounds way more difficult than it actually is uh, apparently and and if if he's confident enough that he's doing it and and there's there's also some rumblings that when he makes his commitment on saturday that he might actually officially announce that he's reclassifying that's hmm. that's that's a buzz that i've heard i'd I wouldn't count on. I it, wouldn't count on that, but there is some rumblings right now that he's at least to the point where he's the as confident enough to at least put his intentions out there. And I know he put uh, he put that out on Twitter last week that as of right now I'm in the class of 2021, but I'm going to be evaluating my ACT and SAT scores in the, in the spring and see how that goes. But there's a lot of optimism on a, a lot of optimism on his end that this is going to happen. Um, and that's kind of been the general consensus with everybody else um, since then. Since, since then, people are just pretty much thinking that this is this is happening. But we kind of we're kind of figuring that this is gonna this is he's Kentucky's to lose. What do you guys think this decision means for Kentucky and their recruiting efforts for 2020 moving forward? I mean, you're adding a top five player regardless of class in the country. I I think he'll eventually be a one and done. But I think if you evaluate Green, Christopher, and Clark, this is the guy you want. And for that one year, can definitely make a national championship run with the other pieces that they already have and will get in the future. I think he's the most polished offensive wing that Cal's ever had at Kentucky. I don't think it's really close, uh, at least coming in. Um, I saw a couple of people on Twitter, a couple of trainers that watched him play over and over again, compare him to one of my favorite NBA players of all time, Tracy McGrady. Oh, that's awesome. That's and, an awesome comparison. I mean, that's a that's a high bar right there. But I think he's actually a better shooter. I think shooter. DeMar DeRozan. I, th- I think he's a better shooter than Tracy McGrady. I think I he's a think skinny he, DeMar DeRozan. That's, that's, my, that's, that's, that's high praise. I mean, we're talking about a, a perennial all-star. Mid-range scorer, can get to the rim, good handle for his size. I like that comparison a lot. Yeah, he's he is uh, – we talked last week that we we think that he is a head above both Jalen Green and Josh Christopher, which draws – which, I mean, the, the now the question in, at hand right now is what does this mean for Josh Christopher and Jalen Green? Why, what – do you go all in on both of them still and say, screw it, let's go – let's have them all run one through four and just say beat us that way? Or, you know, how, how do you see this unfolding? Uh, 
I'm not really high on Kentucky's chances for Josh Christopher anymore uh, after locking either. up Terrence Clark. I think there's an outside shot at Jalen Green, but there's so much smoke in that situation. I don't want to. I can't comment confidently on 100% where I think he's going to go. But there's Memphis buzz, there's Oregon buzz, there's still some Kentucky buzz. I think you could pull him still, but I I'd say neither one end up in Kentucky if Gunn was in my head right now. What do you think about Kentucky's chances with both Jalen Green and Josh Christopher? I think the talks and all the smoke kind of is fuming away. Mm. I mean, I'm still hearing that Jalen Green, I'm still hearing Memphis and UK, but someone actually brought it to my attention today that he's a UK lock. And really? I don't, yeah. And I don't know how I feel about it because I still hear the same thing with Memphis and then Penny's going there today. And with Josh Christopher, I still stand by my Arizona State prediction, which I think, I don't know when it will happen, but It'll obviously happen soon. He said he wants to commit sooner than la- sooner than later, so I stick with that. But I think they're focused on guys like Terrence Clark, and you could even say Devin Askew. So I, I was planning on on we're after after we break down this Terrence Clark news, uh, I, we're gonna with this recruiting period starting, we're gonna go through um, all the place all the places that Calipari and his staff have been, um, the significance on a couple of them. I mean, we don't have. Um, you know, we don't have four hours to talk about every single uh, recruit that he's uh, that they visited because they've seen upwards of fifteen at this point. So you don't want to get too in depth with it. But the ones that that there's some stuff to address with them, we will. But the biggest storyline right now, um, I talked to Jalen Green's father on Monday, late Monday, and he said that he has had no com- no contact with uh, Kentucky in regards to visiting them out west. And I think that is pretty, you know, the fact that they, like I said, we'll go into all the all of the players specifically, but they're going out west for some of these kids. And the, and the fact that those visits have already been scheduled, I've talked to some of the parents of these recruits, and those have been, those have, have been confirmed. The fact that they have not confirmed anything with Kentucky right now is pretty significant to me. Um Last week I did an insider notes post. I believe I posted it on Thursday, but I talked to Jalen's Jalen Green's dad um, pretty in, pretty in detail, and there's a lot of stuff I wasn't able to um, put out to the public in writing necessarily because there I mean there was such fluidity, and he wanted some stuff to be withheld. But the kind of the overarching theme right right now is that they are not turned off by the potential commitment of Terrence Clark. That being said, they want Kentucky, if they are still wanting to you know, fit, fit him into this big puzzle piece that they have, they want to make sure that there is a, a blueprint in place to, for how it would work. Um, he said that he thinks that Josh Christopher right now is leaning toward Arizona State. I've heard a lot of people out west are starting to hear that and the fact that Josh Christopher and Jalen Green are so close and and he he kind of prefaced by saying I ju- this is just through friendly conversations and all that but he said that he he thinks that brother that brother relationship that Josh Christopher has with uh um Caleb, Caleb at Arizona State is going to win out in the end um and it's they think it his dad thinks it will work but 
he wants if it's going to happen Jalen is going to need to be the primary ball handler Terrence is probably not going to be the primary ball handler and it'd probably be BJ at the three they he didn't see a scenario where Josh Christopher would be at Kentucky as the primary ball handler at the one and have Jalen follow him so I think I think that ship it's not sailed but it's definitely looking to be that case uh looking to be that way i believe you said today that um memphis is is heading out there oregon dana altman he's he's visiting them in in uh talking about jalen yeah they were there yesterday yesterday um and then ucla UCLA. today so he told me last week that when when we talked about that ucla buzz that strong ucla buzz a couple weeks ago and we were like where the heck did this come from that kind of came out of the blue and some people afterward were like, nah, that's that's probably just bogus, all that. He actually said, you know, it's kind of interesting that, that UCLA buzz kind of came out because they actually contacted me for the first time ever this past week, like I think last Wednesday, last Wednesday for the very first time, and they said that they're – you know, very interested in coming up and seeing him at a school that might have been this this visit yep. on on Tuesday uh, or today, whatever it was. I'm getting my days mixed up, but that interest is new, and he was very very high on the addition of Dacian Nix. He said that they love him as a primary ball handler and as a primary passer to kind of just make things work. Uh, he did see a scenario where Jalen and Josh would go to UCLA with him. I know we talked on this podcast alone that that, Dacian, that they were very, very high on Dacian, and they – I think if Kentucky would have locked up Dacian, it probably would have locked up both Jalen and Josh, and then they would have gone with Dacian, Josh, Jalen, and BJ as their four, and they would have gone forward with that. I think that had a lot more buzz than we kind of – a lot more smoke to that than we kind of let on. I, I, I think, I think that was, there was a lot of truth to that. Um, but now it looks like that scenario is possible for UCLA. Mm-hmm. He, he, he didn't, he didn't say that any school was a leader. He, but he did say that Oregon's chances are very high, that they are, that he's there this weekend, that, that their camp is very high on Oregon. Um, and, I think he just wanted to discount all of the Mem- the Memphis buzz right now and just kind of say, look, if we were so strong, uh, you know, s- s- such strong Memphis lean- leans, we would have committed already. We've, we we would have already been there. This recruiting process would already be over. I wouldn't take the, all these visits or anything. We have an open mind. I wouldn't send him to any of these schools if I didn't think that they had a legitimate shot. He said that this UK visit is still likely if Kentucky wants it to happen. They, there was some. I think Evan Daniels wrote a post that said he would likely cancel his visit. Uh, if not, he said that that was not the case. He would still, if if Kentucky wanted him, they'd still make that visit happen. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the the rundown on both Jalen and Josh that. With this commitment of Terrence Clark, I think that it does turn away both Jalen and Josh. Is that kind of what you guys are feeling? Yep. Back to the Dacian Nix thing. I think, like you said, if they if UK had locked up Dacian Nix, I think that they could have got Jalen and Josh already, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And but Cal's never been one to be handcuffed and like take a point guard that he didn't really like his offensive school skill set, like shooting wise, in his defense. And wait for possibly getting Jalen and Josh, and then if they decide to play some games, go somewhere else, stay out west, then he's stuck with 
a point guard that he doesn't really care for. He's never been that type. And somebody in Jalen Green's camp said that it's a no-brainer whatsoever to take Terrence Clark. So Yeah, I mean, as tough as it is to turn down – I mean, there was at one point that – the UK coaching staff was, I mean, they were all in on this this scenario, this pie-in-the-sky scenario of Jalen and Josh. That I mean, that is, they are in love with both of their games. I think that they would be an awesome, awesome fit at, at Kentucky. Um, but I think that there was a lot of truth to what you just said with, with Dacian. I just think that there were so many question marks. I think they could have – the timeline just didn't align. The fact that Dacian wanted to get this decision out of the way early um, meant that Kentucky would not have the opportunity to see him play at any high school games or in any other major events this 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 fall or going into the winter. There was there was really no chance for them to see that, and they weren't going to extend a, a scholarship and go all in with him until until that happened. Um, you know, I I think it. In, a, in an ideal scenario, it could have worked, but um, they're just not going to take a guy that, as of right now, they're not in love with his shooting ability. They're not in love with his scoring ability. I mean, yes, he is the best passing guard in the nation, but they weren't all that in love with everything else about him. So I think in the, at the end of the day, when you have a player like Terrence who is a consensus top three player and you have him in – in your hand, you just can't pass that opportunity up. You just, you just absolutely can't do that. Um, it's a very obvious take at this point, and uh, by this time next week, we're going to almost certainly be talking about how excited we are to have him in Lexington moving forward. Um, and also moving forward, uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but we're going to dive into the recruiting period and just the absolute mass chaos that has happened since then um calipari and his staff are there racking up the sky miles right now they are just everywhere throughout the country uh it's it's pretty interesting to watch just seeing over and over again this player is getting visited by this coach this coach is is heading out west right now to see this guy uh while this coach is here there you know it, it is just absolute mass chaos and it's a lot of fun to see but the biggest storyline that came out of the start of this is that kentucky didn't go see Jalen Green first. They didn't go see Terrence Clark first. They didn't see, you know, Isaiah Todd or all those guys. The very first person John Calipari went to go see was Cade Cunningham. The number two point the number two prospect in the class of twenty twenty, the consensus top guard in the in the class, six foot six combo guard. I mean just just elite elite score. I mean he is he is a strong um, you know, prototypical point guard in today's today's world he's a he is a superstar through and through but all the rumblings for the last several months since since the second his his brother was hired at Oklahoma State is that he was a lock to, to end up there um what do you guys think of the significance of the timing of Calipari and, and the just Calipari prioritizing Cade Cunningham first well I think you have to prioritize him if if Calipari sees a crease in that recruitment He's going to shoot the gap and try to make some headway. He's the best, like, I've seen Grant Hill comparisons for him. Great. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Uh, great all-around, like, combo guard with uh, point guard skills. Um, my thing is, if Jalen, Josh, or the pie in the sky, what are Kate Cunningham <laughs> and Terrence Clark? Because they're both ahead of, above the other two. And you know what's so nuts is the fact that we're talking about 
we're talking about four consensus top – I mean, the four top guards in the country. I mean, these are literally the four top guards in the country. This is not – you know, Calipari didn't settle for Jalen and Josh when they were the priority. They were two top ten yeah. prospects in the nation. Like, this, these were elite, high-level superstar potential guys. Jalen Green's the number three player in the, in the class of 2020 right now. Josh Christopher's ranked as high as, I think, eight in one of them. No, six in one of them. I think 24-7 Sports has him listed yeah, he's as six. six. on 24-7. So this, they did not settle by the, with their dream scenario. They just kind of had Terrence Clark fall into their laps and the fact that th- th- I don't think that they saw his reclassification as a real possibility there for a while. And now that he kind of, you know, they kind of approach each other and said, this is serious. I think we can make this happen, and and the fact that they are making it happen, you you like like we said, you can't pass up on literally a guy that we think is better than than both of them. And with this Cade Cunningham news, it is. I think, but we talked about it a little bit on the podcast last week that there was a lot of buzz that he's at least strongly considering not going to Oklahoma State. That he that he may end up there, kind of like the Paolo Banchero news, where it's not like he's saying he's not going to Washington or not staying in in the state of Washington, but he was at least going to explore the possibility of leaving Washington and going to a Duke or a Kentucky or you know Tennessee or whatever you know what have you. Cade Cunningham has been letting schools behind the scenes know, hey, keep recruiting me because I promise you there's a very good chance that I might end up elsewhere. In fact, as of right now, there are a lot of rumblings that it's not Oklahoma State that's a leader right now. It's UNC. Yeah, I agree. That North Carolina has picked up the momentum and and has taken over a slight lead uh, with – with Oklahoma State and Kentucky right there in, in the thing. And my thinking behind this is this is – I think Calipari has his own recruiting board. And in terms of guards and wings outside of Boston and Fletcher, um, I genuinely, be, genuinely believe that Cunningham stands alone as the number one option in terms of guards and wings. And Terrence Clark is the two, and Jalen's a three, and Josh is the four. And when – you your third and fourth they they always said that it wasn't like they were not going to recruit Cade anymore they always said that they were going to they were going to monitor that situation and and um and if say they get in trouble by the NCAA or um Oklahoma State sucks this year and 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 uh, they end up firing their head coach whatever if whatever the situation was they were always going to be watching this situation very closely and if that, like you said earlier, if that door cracked even a little bit, they were going to go through that like a freight train. They were going to make sure, okay, this dude's it, this his recruitment's at least somewhat open. We're going to make sure that he is our top priority moving forward. And I think at this point moving forward, as we saw to open up on Monday, I think he's their top guard priority moving forward. I, I mean, aside from Terrence Clark, who's who's about locked up right now. I think moving forward, they're going to go. They're, they're going to go all in on on Cade Cunningham. See, my thing is, I talked to some people uh, that know people on the Oklahoma State side, and they said that in recruiting meetings, they said this is from their side. "Quote: It's between us, Oklahoma State, and Carolina. Carolina's in the lead." So I'm going to pump the brakes on that a little bit, but I'm also going to hit the gas a little bit in the sense that Cal Perry always backs off dudes that he knows he has no chance of, and I think. I think he can out battle Roy Williams here. And I, I've also heard that 
like Oklahoma State. He very well could go to Oklahoma State, but I've also heard that he would uh, take care of his brother like later on. Like if he doesn't go to Oklahoma State, he'll take care of him later on in the NBA career. Yeah, and and I, th- I think there's there's a lot of truth to that. I think he's going to make he he is very very aware of how good he is as a player. Um, he's aware that he's a potential number one draft pick in 2021. And why – if there's a chance that Oklahoma State sucks, if there's a chance that something may happen where, you know, the scandal hits or whatever, he wants to be put in the best position for him to be the number one draft pick in 2021. He wants to make sure that, that his brand does not take a hit. He wants to, to ensure that – uh, you know, I think he did have a little chip on his shoulder during Peach Jam that, and just the EYBL regular season that he wanted to make sure that people knew that he was the top guard in the in the country, and he's not going to take a risk out of convenience for his brother if he feels that he he's more at home somewhere else. And that's not to say maybe he does feel the most at home at at Oklahoma State, and that's where he ends up. But I think that. Um, UNC has been recruiting him this entire time as if his brother was not even hired at Oklahoma State. They've been recruiting him as a top option, and and I, I think that they are very high on his status as uh, kind of the replacement for Cole Anthony next year. They love how they used Kobe White this past year, and, and I think Roy Williams is kind of selling him on that. You're next in line. You are this this offense is going to be yours. Take it over and do with it what you wish. And I think he's very high on that pitch. Uh, I know he met with uh, UNC day one, and he also met, I think, Roy Williams Roy and his staff flew out to Texas to visit his his family uh, in person in the, in, in the evening. So, I mean, they UNC is a very serious contender here. But all I'm saying is when Calipari – Calipari is very smart in what he does. Uh, he's – He's not going to go all in on a guy that he thinks he has no chance with, like if Oklahoma State was the was the surefire leader or if UNC was the surefire leader at this point and, and there was no chance, chance that it would be anything other than those two schools. I think when he saw that door crack open, he said, you know what, this is a can't-miss prospect. And the idea of pairing him with Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston, holy crap. I mean, that's just a – that is a like you said. That is the dream scenario of all dream scenarios, and and that's just something that that Kentucky can't pass up. Also, a little note on the Oklahoma State side: there's growing rumblings that Mike Boynton might not be there after this year. He's in, he's definitely on the hot seat. And term like I've talked to some people that have said there no people around the program that have said he's on the hot seat. And another thing though is if you're a point guard, that North Carolina offense is definitely really attractive the up and down style I think but I think Cal's gonna make up uh ground this year in with him changing to three guard lineup so Mm -hmm. yeah and one thing I am a little worried about is the fact that Cade is planning on an early signing he is trying to get this done in fall so Calipari does have time but how much does he have that's interesting um I'm they're going to prioritize him, and they're going to make sure that the, that they're visiting him as much as possible. But um, you know, they're kind of in that tough spot where they're not the favorite right now. They do feel pretty confident that they could they could push that way in. But at the same time, do you go all in with him and then risk him going elsewhere and then miss out on a Jalen or a Josh or you know well, what option would be available after that? Um, where 
say Cade goes to UNC or ends up staying with with Oklahoma State, say Jalen and Josh are both out of the out of the picture. Who is the next point guard option for Kentucky? What do you think? I think you gotta go Devin Askew and hope for a reclass. Jake's the guy to talk to about that one. I agree. Um I don't know where the Kentucky smoke came from without a visit scheduled and this came a day after the Louisville visit, so it was kinda weird timing, but I think I do think he will reclassify because I mean it's obvious he's ready and Jack, I think you said this last week. He looks so comfortable out there and when people are going to watch somebody else like a Namari Burnett or Jalen Green, Devin stands out mm-hmm. and he's on the floor with, with guys that are regularly play at the college level as well or or heading that route, and I just think he's so ready. He seems so comfortable. But I don't know where the U.K. smoke came from. He, You did say that they're meeting with him tomorrow. So Yeah, his his father um, – I, I reached out to his father, and he said that Calipari will be in um, on Thursday. Um, don't know the specific time, but it, it will be Coach Cal, and I would not be surprised if they say – if he says something along the lines of, we want you in either class. If you want to reclassify to 2020, uh, let's make this happen. That I think I think Joel Justice saw him – um, out in Greece, I believe when for the FIBAs, uh, when Jalen Green was out there, um, Devin, I believe Devin played there too. Um, I, I believe so. Maybe I'm thinking of different. There was a recruiting event where he was kind of the unknown star that the that I think the UK coaching staff he was he was one of them, and I think that they fell in love with uh, w- when they went to go see him and. From there, I think that they became that he became their top priority for 2021, and now that now that he's becoming an option for 2020, possibly, uh, that's just something that that you just can't you have to account for moving forward for sure. Um, and you know, since we're already going through this, let, let's just kind of keep moving with with the the, the timeline of it all. Uh, UK coaching staff went to go see Kate Cunningham first. Then followed up followed it up with a trip to see uh, Scotty Barnes, who is also at Mount Montverde, um, top ten prospect. I do not see him landing at Kentucky. I think that that was more so just a uh, hey, how are things? Have you you know just, just checking in on things that you know maybe he goes in and says you know what, coach, I've decided that I am all in on Kentucky, and I, you know you, you just at least have to check in and send feelers out. But as of right now, I do not think he ends up at Kentucky. Uh, Jake, are you hearing uh, Oregon buzz? Oregon, Ohio State. I'm hearing it's those two right now. He does visit Oregon this weekend, and he took a junior year official visit there also. That's kind of always been the lock for him. Not the lock, but that's kind of always been the leader for him. I'm sure after that official visit you'll hear more on that, Mm -hmm. maybe more on a decision timetable. But I'm hearing Ohio State has him at the top of their list as well, so that's something to look at. Um, And – after that trip to Montverde, uh, Calipari then went up to you know up north to the northeast area. Saw Terrence Clark, then saw Lance Ware with Kenny Payne, uh, and then Joel Justice headed to Raleigh, North Carolina, to see Isaiah Todd, Kentucky's top big man target in the class of 2020. Um, you know, really quick on him, he told Jason jo- Jordan of USA Today afterward that while a bunch of schools saw him, the fact that Kentucky was one that was one of the first and, and kind of showed 
show that they are they are still prioritizing him and that they are the that Todd is their favorite big man in, in the class of 2020. Uh, he said that stood out to him in a big way. Um, he had a quote. He said it definitely showed me that they really want me and made me feel special to co- to come to me on the very first day was big. Not to say that if if the other schools didn't come today that they that they don't feel the same way. It was just cool to see them with them being Kentucky. Uh, and then he also said as far as their pitch goes, they see me as a guy uh, who they can use in a lot of different ways on the floor. I see myself that same way. I try to do some of uh, some of everything. I really don't have a position. Kentucky pitches you know, positionless basketball. Uh, I have a long way to go before I make a decision, but it was a very great visit. Um, so, uh, I think he, he added in that article that he's going to take all five official visits before making a decision, uh, with his first being to Michigan on September 27th through the 29th. Uh, we'll just kind of quick thoughts on his recruitment. We touched on him a lot last week, but any update on your, on your all's general thoughts with where he lands? Nope. What you got? I don't got nothing My really either. My stance is still the same. I don't really have anything What, either. the Kentucky, North Carolina overseas are the top options? I think, like I said, if he goes to college, I think it's Kentucky. I agree. That's but the over, but the uh, overseas buzz is still growing. So, And I think that's Australian. We talked a little bit that, that I think that – uh, RJ Hampton's dad is very, very vocal with with the guys that he wants out overseas, and I think he does get a get a little bit of um, extra pocket money if he if he if he does land some of these guys. So he he wants to make sure that uh, you know he can he can help recruit over there, and I don't blame it blame him at all. And I think that he's put some feelers out. I think I don't know how far those those talks have gotten, but I do know that there is some some overseas buzz and I think it's it's prominent I think it's it it does mean something but as of today I do think if he goes to college he will be he'll be going up going to Kentucky and I agree I think it's either Kentucky or overseas but I think it's kind of crazy how all that UNC smoke he had for so long kind of just fumed away like I I remember earlier in high school season there was junior year everyone was saying UNC lock UNC lock and then boom just out of nowhere like Kentucky was always in the mix but it was always UNC as the leader, and then that kind of just went away. But I still think it's Kentucky. I think here. that this is a kid that Kenny Payne can develop into a top five surefire pick. Um, has the, all the offensive skill in the world. And then once he hones in his defensive skill, I think the world's his in the NBA. Yeah, he's he's my my favorite front court prospect in, in the class of 2020. I mean, he's – he draws a lot of Anthony Davis comparisons in terms of just his his elite defensive potential uh, as a as a um, you know interior defender you know blocking shots and all that. But his where he thrives is as a face up uh, face up offensive player where he can he can hit hit shots in transition. We've we've talked about this in the past. He is a guy where he can grab the rebound go court to court runs runs the floor like a gazelle and he can either take it in dunk on somebody he can pull up from three in transition he can you know go back to the basket and then and you know he is he is such a versatile inside out game um very smooth very i mean he does need to build up some strength uh, i talked to his high school coach at trinity international or trinity uh, i can't remember the specific name of it but um the school he, where he was before he he transferred to Word Word of God this past year, um, where where John Wall used to play, and he said that 
the goal right now is to get him up to about 200, 210, 215. That that weight, he's about 180, 185 right now. Maybe pushing 190, but they want to they want to put about 15, 20 pounds more on him uh, by the time he gets to the college level. And I know that he's he's at a new high school now, so that that might change with their regimen and what they're hoping for. But he does need to build up some muscle he's not a banger down low he is definitely a finesse guy but he's so smooth so gifted with guard skills it's it's not even funny i know we a lot of people get scared about face up big men stretch fours with kentucky based on what we saw at a scal and the fact that he was not a bruiser by any means he was the exact opposite of one when he was at kentucky and they're kind of worried about that scenario playing out yet again but he is not Anthony Davis, but he I is close. He is closer to Anthony Davis than he is Scal. I think the UK comparison for him is Terrence Jones. I think that a uh, skinnier version of Terrence Jones. Yeah, and and Terrence was. I think he's one of the most underrated players. He was great. K- that Kentucky's had, but he is definitely more of a bruiser, bully ball type guy. He Terrence Jones was like a more smooth and and finesse guy uh, uh, than than Julius Randle. They I I thought their games were pretty similar. They kind of went hand in hand, but he was Terrence was just a little bit more, you know, finesse and and quick and kind of relied on uh you know, being fast and and agile rather than pure brute strength like mm-hmm. Julius Randle did. Uh, but yeah, I, I do see that um you know, that that comparison is interesting, but but Isaiah Todd is a surefire top ten prospect in the nation. Um, he he's my favorite front court player in the in the class, and and it's there's no no shock to me that Kentucky's prioritizing him the way they are. Uh, moving on that same Monday, they also Kentucky went to go see t- uh, twenty. 21 top 10 power forward Jabari Smith in Georgia at an open gym. Um, then they closed out their Monday by visiting Jaden Bradley, a top 10 prospect in the class of 2022. Uh, there's no offer yet, but he does hold offers from Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Texas Tech, uh, I think 15 total offers or so. Um, and then on Tuesday, the staff visited 2020 four-star forward JT Thor, recently reclassified to 2020 Um Oklahoma State's kind of seen as the overwhelming favorite with him. And then on Wednesday, uh, Calipari stopping in Austin, Texas, to check in on top 10 prospect Greg Brown. Uh, Texas is seen as the favorite with him, but I think Evan Daniels also recently said to watch out for Kentucky here. Uh, I think North Carolina is a sleeper a little bit with him as well. Um, Real quick, do you think that this – their newfound interest in Greg Brown has anything to do with Kate Cunningham and the fact that they their high interest kind of seems to be going hand in hand right now. And if you guys listening aren't sure, they played on the same AAU program, the Texas Titans down in, in obviously Texas. Um, and we talked last week that there are some Ken- Kentucky connections with the Texas Titans program. Um, so do you guys feel that there is any correlation to you know potentially pairing Cade Cunningham and Greg, Greg Greg Brown as their elite front court man? Well, I think it definitely helps with Cade, but even if Cade went in the picture, I think if you're looking at the big men that are available on the board or guys that could play the four spot cuz uh Greg could play the 3 or 4 for what Cal's wanting to do moving forward, I think Isaiah Todd and Greg Brown are perfect in his scheme. So even working Cade, working together? No, just like what he's wanting in the four man. Like okay. even if Cade wasn't in the picture, I think 
if you have a puncher's chance at Greg Brown, I think you have to go for him regardless. But I think it does help with Caden. That is interesting. Do you, do you have any insight on that, Jake? I, I don't have insight, but I agree. Greg Brown's a top ten prospect. I mean, regardless if Cade's in the picture, you're not going to turn down a top ten prospect. But the fact that Cade is in the picture and they've teamed up already and they've been pretty good together, they killed it this summer, I think that's a plus. But regardless, if Cade's on the picture, you still you don't turn down Greg Brown. But do you turn down Greg Brown if it affects their recruitment of Isaiah Todd? Hmm. It depends on where you think that helps with – how much that helps with Cade. That's you got. You guys tell me. I think wh- how do you, based on what we know on Kentucky's chances with all these guys, you say you guys are John Calipari and the Kentucky coaching staff right now. You tell me how you would recruit moving forward with the front court. Well, this is why I don't get paid the big bucks like Cal. But it's all right. If, if I had to pick, I mean, you definitely go after what can get you Cade first. Then you see how strong the. So you're saying, you go for you ask Cade essentially who's your front yeah, court ask man Cade, of interest. Like who do you want? Okay. If, but if I fi- if I found out he's playing like games or if he's leaning somewhere else, then I secure a commitment from from Isaiah Todd or Greg Brown regardless of what he wants. But he's such a high end prospect and can't miss prospect at the point guard spot that you have to like cater to his needs. Okay. I agree. I think if Cade's the number one priority, you got to get what he wants. And you also can't forget Lance Ware because Lance Ware is going to be huge in that front court mm-hmm. if and when he tomorrow, if he does announce mm-hmm. that it's UK, you also have to see who could pair. It, it's all about fit, so who's going to fit with Lance Ware? But at the same time, if Cade's your priority, Cade's kind of leading the show here. But if Cade's, like Travis said, if Cade's playing games, I think you also have to see what even BJ Boston, what they want. It's yeah. there's so many scenarios. You got to see what like BJ Boston's gonna be the guy, and then Cade Cunningham if he's playing games. You got to see what BJ. It's there's such a thin line because like we were talking about earlier, complicated. What all Kentucky's losing in the front court. You don't want to go over two with your two main power forward options. Plus you're gonna have Lance Ware, but honestly he's the second big in this class or third big depending on who else they get. He's not. He shouldn't be your number one option. You don't want to miss out on. Brown and Todd in this situation. Say Kentucky picks up a, a commitment from Lance Ware tomorrow, Terrence Clark on Saturday, and they have Lance Ware, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, and Cameron Fletcher as your your core four moving forward. And the very next move you have to make, regardless of, of say, Kate Cunningham's out of the picture, you are going in on one or the other – of Isaiah Todd and Greg Brown, who are you taking? Isaiah Todd. Isaiah Todd. Why? Because I think you can – with the playmakers you have on the wing, I think all you need is a facilitating point guard. I don't think you need an all-world point guard. Like, I think Devin Askey's great. He's no Cade Cunningham, but he could run the show on that team. He's got so many weapons. And then adding a top ten pick at power forward center position and Isaiah Todd, I think that's a no-brainer. I like Isaiah Todd more than Greg Brown overall. As oh, a for sure. But I'm I'm going off of going in on Greg Brown for Cade. Well, me personally, I'd probably go Isaiah Todd over Greg Brown. But I think Kentucky's in a position where you do take either 
almost whoever is the very first, you know, the wh- whoever is willing to jump on that commitment first, I think you do take that because they both are they they both fit in so well with any of the options that Kentucky has moving forward. If they get Devin Askew, either of those guys, you know, with Greg Brown as a rim runner, you know, athletic, springy, pogo stick type player, or Isaiah Todd as just a pure offensive, you know, offensive powerhouse. Both of those guys work so, so well together. I would take Isaiah Todd first, but if Greg Brown calls Calipari tomorrow and says, all right, man, let's let's make this happen, you you take – like what ter- what happened with Terrence Clark, you take that and just kind of move, move forward with that. Greg Brown, Isaiah Todd, or Paolo. Mm. Oh, come on, man. But see, Paolo, you aren't – Come on, man. Paolo, you don't know what he's, you don't know on, what he's gonna do, but still. You don't wait on – my thing is, Paolo, if you know for sure he's – if you know for sure he's gonna reclass – it's a no-brainer. But also, UK is not 100% in the lead for him. I think UK has a better shot at Isaiah Todd than they do Paolo. But Paolo's the best out of the three. Paolo's the best. You take Paolo See? by far over See? both of them. Although, man, that's tough. And and at that point, you're just getting ridiculous. I'm not Cause, complaining. Because I, I, I do think that there is a scenario where Paolo and Greg Brown could work together <laughs> because one's a finesse you know, a finesse scoring guy. Another is a rim running, defensive minded, you know, th- th- athletic guy. Those two would work pretty well together. I think Paolo and Isaiah Todd are a little bit interchangeable. In fact, I think there's a scenario where you could get both Isaiah and Greg Brown, and it, it would it would work out. I don't think that they'll want to do that, but at that point, at that point, you're getting just so ridiculous. I mean, Cade Cunningham, consensus, consensus top three player. Terrence Clark, consensus top three player. Uh, B.J. Boston, top ten player. Isaiah Todd, top ten and one. He's a top 13, 12-ish type player, but he's ranked in the top ten by at least one, by at least one outlet. And uh, who am I missing? Um, 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 Paolo is consensus top three, no matter Mm -hmm. what class he's in. So we're talking of a potential class of – starting five top 10 players which would just be absolutely unheard of and a lot of people were like oh well we had something ridiculous like that in 2013 with Julius Randle and the Harrison twins and James Young and all that this is Julius Randle was ranked correctly with that James Young was not ranked correctly there uh Dakari Johnson was fantastic I loved him there but he was the number one ranked center in a very very poor center class um and you know so on and so forth i this class would go be head heads heads ahead of of what that 2013 class was for kentucky but nonetheless that is absolutely chaotic and crazy and very unlikely to happen probably but never count out coach cow we'll see that's that's just definitely something we we need to hear all right we got to wrap up very soon so we're going to go through uh very quick greg brown on wednesday uh, Paolo Banchero also on Wednesday, uh, who we had on the show last week. Um, and then Devin Askew's father told me that Calipari <coughs> will be in to see uh, him on Thursday out in California. J.J. Trainer is expecting to see a Kentucky assistant at some point this week, possibly tomorrow. We don't know that for certain yet, but we have been told that that's a possibility. Um, Jake, go through your spiel. This is your Christmas. Any <laughs> any other guys that we're leaving out? Um, Kennedy Chandler, five-star guard. For Mocan. Um, he had Duke in 
on Tuesday night, and Duke's most likely going to offer. And now Kentucky, who got in the mix late in the summer, who reached out to his father, said that co- it, there's definitely going to be an assistant, but Coach Cal could tag along, and they'll see him tomorrow, uh, Thursday evening. And then before that, while being in that area, they're going to see Musa Sise. Okay. From formerly of Christ the King, but now I don't know how to pronounce it. Lausanne, the, his school, the name of his Laus- school. I know how, you I know know how to spell it. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, yeah, neither do I. But they're going to see Musa first. And Musa has been – he's locked to Memphis apparently. But apparently, like you guys have said, Cal wouldn't go after someone if they believe they don't have a chance. But they're going to see Musa first. And then Friday, they're going to be out west again because they're seeing Askew and they'll be out west again. And they're going to see Jaden Hardy. And it, it is going to be Coach Cal. And Jaden Hardy's a – top six top seven prospect depend what outlet you look at but the interest has been there for him for a while so i mean an offer could come i wouldn't be surprised and there's no telling maybe the we we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier but maybe Jalen green and josh christopher uh you know while they're out there they they call in we you know calipari does kind of tend to move very quickly when he does things he calls and you know he, he doesn't want um you know long-term plans to to be out in the public you know when it happens he wants it to be quick and and in and out as as fast as possible so that might may be the case they're just waiting until they're out there and said hey i am an hour away from your house let's make this happen so you know this time next week we might be talking about the fact that he did go see both of them and you know that they're they're doing that but as of today it we it is very interesting the fact that neither of them have publicly you know, said that that they are that they're getting uh, visits from anybody from the Kentucky coaching staff, and with that, we have already run way over on time, and we're very sorry. We are very long-winded and like getting in depth with this stuff, but we hope that's something that you appreciate when uh, you are listening to this. Um, before we wrap up, why don't we, uh, you guys, tell everyone how to find you on social media and where they can find your work? Um, Stockrisers.com. You heard our pun earlier nice, on the show. Nice that, little plug for you. Um, and then on Twitter, at Jake Juan Gordon. You can find me on Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. Um, the Cat Scan Podcast with a K is on uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify. And then I'm on Twitter at Trav underscore Graph. And uh, sorry for the Louisville love, but Cardinalsports.com as well. Hmm. Sorry. If 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 it's up to me, I would not recommend that. But I I would he, he, the, I would hit Jake, the dump button. Jake does great work, and 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 we appreciate having him on. We appreciate having Travis on as well. Uh, as we we're still looking for a sponsor or two for this show, so please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR or via email jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. We'd love to talk about your product, whatever it is. Reach out to me uh, in either of those outlets. Um, Be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes or any of the uh, major podcast apps. And we will be back next week for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.